In this week's episode, Amazon and the United States Postal Service continue to put the squeeze on small sellers, and I do some shameless self-promotion. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to this uh, day before Thanksgiving edition of the Galaxy CDs, Rocks, and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. I am not doing this live today because I figured most of us were going to have better things to do on a Wednesday morning right before Thanksgiving. A lot of folks might be traveling, but I did want to do an episode so we didn't miss a week. And there is some news actually to cover. And I've got a few other things to talk about this week, so this may not be a super long show, but I thought there was some relevant stuff here. Maybe you'll get something out of it. Worst comes to worst. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, I hope you're having a great holiday. I hope you are safe and you get to spend the time with the people that mean the most to you. And uh, with that, let's kick off. News updates with a bit of reselling news. So eBay is constantly, and a lot of these platforms are constantly in contact with shipping companies and they're monitoring, tracking and dates and how things are progressing. eBay recently announced that they think, at least at this point, holiday shipping is on track. Five weeks ahead of Christmas, they said, We've seen strong on-time delivery performance from both USPS and UPS. eBay's shipping team wrote in a post on their seller announcement board last Friday. It said FedEx's on-time delivery numbers were showing significant improvement, so there must be some delays over at FedEx. Uh, They also point out, as we talked about last week, I think with Etsy, sellers do not need to adjust their handling times to account for delays. Quote, we continue to make adjustments to delivery date estimates to ensure buyers have the most accurate expectation based on current trends. It said it would always give sellers credit for on-time shipping if there is an acceptance scan within the stated handling time. So as is usually the case, do your due diligence. If you say you've got three-day business handling time, make sure that your item gets to the post office and gets scanned within that time frame. So... We'll see how that goes. I have not, I've not had any significant problems. I've had a couple that seemed like they took a, a little while to get where they were going. I had one that appeared to be lost. Uh, of course, I refunded the customer, and the next day, the tracking updated. <laughs> oh man, I love that. Uh, but the guy, to his credit, um, he had originally left me negative feedback because I, I told him I couldn't give him his money back until that went through the eBay system. Anyway, to his credit, once the item did arrive, uh, we were able to work it out. He revised his feedback, so I'm back to 100% positive feedback. He's got his item, and all is right with the world. Um, So, And interestingly, I reached out to eBay on that item because I had already refunded the guy. eBay does not have a mechanism, really, to then rebill a customer for that item that they've received so that they can make it right. So they authorized me in that case to arrange for payment outside of eBay's system. Uh, I saved that chat, <laughs> uh, obviously, because I was, I was frankly surprised that they said that. Um, but I arranged to get paid by PayPal with the guy. He paid almost immediately. So all's well that ends well. But that's been, knock wood, so far, the only big hang up that I've had with shipping. 
We talked last week about the penalty rate that the post office is going to be imposing on longer items, things over 22 inches long. There were some questions that went out after that announcement from the Postal Service. Sellers were asking, does that include mailing tubes? So like the the tubes that you use for like movie posters or just any kind of posters, longer, skinny automotive parts, tailpipes, that sort of thing. USPS spokesperson David Coleman told uh, e-commerce bites that yes, those surcharges will apply to tubes. He added, quote, if the tube dimensions qualified for dimensional weight, then the fee will be on top of the dimensional weight price. E-commerce bites points out that that means sellers of movie posters will pay the new $4 stand non-standard fee for a tube greater than 22 inches and $15 non-standard fee for a tube greater than 30 inches in addition to the cost of the postage, which is what I had talked about last week. This is an extra charge on top of what is already an increased postage rate on these things. Uh, One theory that sellers have brought up on some of the various boards is that the post office just doesn't want to mess with those tubes. Uh, In July, they had written an article about reports from sellers who said the post office was failing to deliver mailing tubes intact and or on time. So I don't ship much out in that manner. But if you are someone who uses tubes, how do you think this is going to affect you, particularly in posters, which are not, I mean, I, I assume there's probably some pretty high value stuff there, but a lot of that stuff is not super valuable. And if the shipping is going to go to you know, $15 plus a $15 non-standard fee or something like that, man, that's going to almost totally destroy that business, I would think. So Again, it's not an area that I deal in, but if you do, please feel free to leave me a comment down below, or if you're listening to the podcast, you can. there's a link down below. You can leave me a voice message, or you can always email me at galaxycds at gmail.com. Uh, Amazon. Lots of news last week out of Amazon. Uh, most of it not good for sellers. They are really, really putting the squeeze on Particularly, it seems like small sellers and sellers who specialize in kind of long tail type items, which is kind of how Amazon got its start. So this is, frankly, kind of surprising to me. But uh, there's a couple articles here. The first one, Amazon policy update sparks a dialogue over pricing. News of an Amazon policy update touched a nerve among sellers, according to e-commerce bites, particularly about pricing practices. Amazon announced it was updating its selling policies and seller code of conduct, quote, to include language explicitly prohibiting price fixing and search rank manipulation. Uh, Some sellers bristled at how Amazon limits how they can price their items. Some sellers indicated that Amazon forces to price their items at too high of a price. One seller said, some drop shipper has our product listed at $60. I can't list it for the actual price of $17.95. Amazon has flagged it as a pricing error. And three months of back and forth with seller support does nothing. So in that case, you've got, I don't know if it's an unauthorized seller, but it is someone, a, a drop shipper, who's trying to order this item apparently from whoever this company is tripling the price and now amazon won't let the original maker of the item price it at the correct price which is (laughs) mind-blowing uh friday's announcement linked to the amazon selling page 
for selling policies and seller code of conduct, but that page did not highlight specifically what wording had changed. There were several references to pricing included on the page, such as sellers must not engage in conduct that violates price fixing law. Examples of unfair activities include attempting to increase the price of a product after an order is confirmed. That one seems like a no brainer. In addition to pricing concerns, sellers specifically called out the following provision filing infringement notices as an agent or brand protection agency. Amazon understands that many brands may choose to have brand protection agencies or agents report intellectual property infringement on their behalf and accept submissions from authorized agents. However, Amazon does not permit individuals with active selling accounts to file infringement notices as an agent of a brand when the filing of those notices could benefit their own selling account through removing competing listings, for example. Any sellers filing notices as an agent to benefit their own status as a seller may have their selling account terminated. So I'm not quite sure whose side Amazon is on (laughs) uh, on this thing. Uh, One seller wrote, this is going to come as a bit of a nasty surprise to a lot of sellers. So you can't really even try to fight some of this stuff. It is really, really tough over on Amazon. It's one one of many reasons that I've chosen just not to get engaged over there. I know a lot of sellers do really, really well, but with their constant gating of product categories and stuff like this, it just makes it really, really difficult, I feel like, for small sellers to be successful over there. Adding to that, uh, Amazon has curtailed a small longtime bookseller. So this was a kind of a letter to the editor that went over to e-commerce bites. Uh, seller says in my Amazon sold file, I had about 8,000 listings that I've sold since 2016 and now am out of stock. Last weekend, I started getting dozens of emails like the one below from Amazon. I can no longer sell these items. It's well over a hundred of these emails so far without approval. When I try to get approval, I receive a message that says they are not taking applications. Uh, This has been going on for some time, like I just mentioned, in DVDs, CDs, and textbooks. But the books they are now ending are very common, 20-year-old books. I've never seen so many at one time before. It's usually one a month or less. The seller goes on to say this gives big sellers a huge advantage over small sellers. And if this keeps up, I probably won't be able to list any titles in six months or a year. I have been a seller since 2003. They point out the letter, the email said, as part of our ongoing efforts to provide the best possible customer experience, we have implemented additional approval requirements for, and then it named these specific products. Effective on a certain date, you will need approval to list the effective products. If you do not obtain approval by this date, your listings will be removed. This action does not impact your account health. May (laughs) Uh, impact your bank account's health, but uh, how can I reinstate my listings? It says to request approval, go to the approval required view within the fix your products page in seller central and request approval, which apparently is what this seller did. And in each case was told they're no longer accepting applications to sell those particular items. So if you are a, like this person appears to be a long tail seller of items that you may only come across. I I know this is the case for me with old books. I've got books that I have only had one time and it may be years before I stumble across another copy of it. If, If you were no longer allowed to list those kind of items, 
it would effectively end your business. Um, so this is this is big news. It affects probably more fulfilled by merchant sellers because, as we're going to get into in a minute, you almost can't do long tail with FBA anymore because they're curtailing the amount of time you can leave inventory in their warehouses. So this is a potentially if this is widespread, and again, I don't sell there, so if you are a seller, you can let me know. Have you received anything like this about books, CDs, movies, any particular categories uh, that you are finding difficulty being able to sell? But that that is, that's messy. There was also a pretty big brouhaha because Amazon announced a ton of seller rate the increases that go into effect in January of 2022. So you're going to get through the holiday selling season and then you are going to get blasted. Uh, An Amazon rate hike will hit sellers on January 18th of 2022. The company announced last week, it said it had kept selling fee changes low throughout the pandemic while quote, absorbing billions of dollars in increased costs on your behalf. Pardon my French. That's just a shitty thing to say. (laughs) Uh, They are making I think I forget what the stat was. It's like 56% of their business is third-party sellers. They are making a mint off of third-party sellers. And to say that they spent billions of dollars on your behalf, to me, is a load of crap. Um, and I don't even sell there. And that that really ticked me off. So you, you can let me know what you thought of that. But man, that, ugh, I bristled at that. Uh, it goes on to say, while at the same time investing in its fulfillment and delivery network, as well as in tools and services for sellers, most of which benefit Amazon much more than they benefit the sellers. The good news, if there was much, for sellers who fulfill their own orders, there were only two referral fee changes and both are decreases, although those sellers will likely be impacted by higher shipping costs that were announced by carriers. So you're not really going to gain any ground. You're just not going to lose quite as much. Sellers, however, who use Amazon's FBA fulfillment services are not so lucky. Amazon said in 2022, we will adjust FBA fulfillment fees to partially offset the higher permanent operating costs we face going forward. There are increases, they say, to numerous services, including the following. Here we go again with this dimensional weight. Introduction of dimensional weight pricing for large standard size products, excluding apparel. Higher monthly off-peak storage fees higher removal and disposal fees. They say liquidation fees will remain unchanged. I had one viewer who reached out to me that said the disposal fee is going up by over 100%, which is just staggering. Higher FBA prep service fees and an introduction of a tiered rate structure for long-term storage fees. Amazon characterized the fulfillment fee changes as a 5.2% increase on average to reflect increasing costs of operations. So a huge, huge financial impact, again, uh, particularly on smaller sellers, uh, 100% fee increase to get your own stuff back (laughs) is just mind-blowingly large. So I don't know how a lot of small sellers will absorb those kind of additional costs, but that's what Amazon is uh, implementing. They say, since the start of the pandemic, we've more than doubled our U.S. fulfillment capacity, yet they are still curtailing how much stuff you can send in and how long you can send it in for, which again, to me, uh, looks like a squeeze on smaller sellers, big sellers, high volume sellers with a lot of churn that are turning a lot of a particular piece of inventory 
aren't really going to be affected by that. But a smaller seller who has really targeted inventory that might be a little bit longer tail is really getting squeezed on this deal. Uh, they said they spent over $15 billion across our fulfillment network to help keep employees safe, hired more than 628,000 people, and increased our U.S. average starting wage to $18 an hour. Kudos to them for that. That's You're starting to get into living wage territory there, so I, I will give them props where props are earned. That's, that's awesome. They go on to say that that includes opening more than 350 new fulfillment centers, sortation centers, regional air, air, air hubs, and delivery stations in the U.S. With the 2021 holiday shopping season in full swing, they are hiring an additional 150,000 people across their network to ensure they are able to quickly receive your inventory and deliver your products to your customers. So, again, um, this is a fairly lengthy article. As always, I will link to these in the show notes and the video description below. Uh, feel free to pop over there and take a look at it. I've, I've had several Amazon sellers who have already reached out to me really, really concerned about these price increases. I, I wish I had some advice. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to tell you there. We play in their sandboxes. We kind of have to play by their rules, but those price increases are just extraordinary. Etsy sellers also did not have a particularly good week. Some uh, customers and sellers were unable to view Etsy listings starting on Tuesday, November 16th. Etsy, for their part, blamed the problem on ad blocking software. On Wednesday afternoon, they said their engineers had identified the problem after sellers began reporting it, uh, missing Etsy listings on Tuesday, including on the Down Detector website. An Etsy moderator announced on the Technical Issues Board that many ad blocker tools utilize the same list of third-party rules when it comes to blocking ads, and a rule was introduced what would have been Tuesday, that heavily impacted the visibility of Etsy listings. As of this morning, that rule has been removed, but it will take some time for all ad blockers to update and reflect this change and stop blocking Etsy listings. Are you an Etsy seller? Uh, let me know. Is this something that affected you last week? Uh, and is it still going on? Did it get fixed? It was not, according to sellers, limited to just that particular situation. Etsy sellers also reported other problems, including uh, problems related to viewing favorited items. Another report said thousands of shops had been forced automatically into vacation mode. That's no bueno. Uh, sellers also report reported problems with their Etsy ads. That began on Monday. Etsy did not indicate, did not report how traffic, <clears throat> pardon me, or sales on its site may have been impacted due to these missing listings. So... Tough sledding over there on Etsy. Uh, the hits just keep coming. Uh, some good news, though, for Etsy. If you are overseas, Etsy did announce an expansion of their buy now, pay later with Klarna payment option. It will now be available in Spain and Australia. Etsy announced it has further expanded its installment payments program powered by Klarna to buyers in Spain and Australia. This expansion gives even more buyers the flexibility to get the products they want immediately and pay installments just in time for the holidays. For Spanish buyers, Etsy will offer a pay-in-three option on purchases between 50 and 1,000 euros with three interest-free installments. The first installment paid at time of purchase. The other two are due every four weeks until the balance is paid. 
Australian buyers will pay in four payments for essentially the same thing, 50 to 1,000 Australian dollars for interest-free installments, first one paid at the time of purchase, and the other three due every two weeks until the balance is paid. So this joins programs that are currently available in the U.S., U.K., and Germany, and all of them, of course, have different terms. So (laughs) uh, there's no consistency there, but at least it's something that's available. So that's some good news, I guess, for Etsy sellers in, uh, in a run here of several weeks of less than terrific news over there. So please feel free, as always, to leave me a comment and let me know if, if any of that that we've talked about has affected you or if you think that it might affect you in the future. I want to have just a, a little... I'm not going to do a what sold segment again this week. Um, I do have some stuff saved up that we'll cover next week, uh, but I wanted to keep this one relatively short this week. But I did want to talk about kind of self-discipline, goal setting. I've done a couple of episodes in the past on that, but I put up a post over on Instagram. If you're watching on YouTube, I don't know if you'll be able to read it or not. (laughs) I don't know how big it shows up, but uh I was out on Saturday evening and I took a picture of a very tasty adult beverage and I said, a well-earned adult beverage, 110 new listings, moved overstock into a new storage unit, restocked my antique booth, added multiple new racks to my current inventory storage facility and reorganized, did my YouTube live podcast for reselling and recorded two new episodes for my new music podcast and I also got three days of workouts in. How was your week? (laughs) Uh, And I had... uh, Buzzard Ben commented, wow, you need to do a podcast on discipline. And uh, a couple people reached out to me actually individually and said, man, how did, how do you get all that done? So I'd like to say there was some magic to it, but that's not really the case. I'm not really that self-disciplined, but I know that about myself. So I take action and I do things. And if you follow me on Instagram, you've probably seen some posts about this. I use a planning calendar. And it's it's a pretty straightforward, and this will be the shameless self-promotion portion of the show. I do actually make these and offer them available on Amazon KDP. You can, there's a link in the description or the show notes below, or you can go to this page on galaxycdsrocks.com and look at, I've got journals and all kinds of stuff, but mostly what I've found useful for myself are these reselling planners and essentially it's just a a calendar and my my process and you can take this modify it not pay any attention to it whatever i'm just the whole point of this podcast is to share the things that i find relevant and important to me if they're helpful to you great and if they're not you don't have to use them i'm not here to try to be the uh, be all end all expert but i know that i need some kind of written goal to hold myself accountable to. I put up a post, I think, on Instagram the other day about workouts, and it was something to the effect of set goals, track your progress, hold yourself accountable, enjoy success. Those are essentially the four basic steps for me to get where I want to go in any given week. And these planning calendars are just a huge, huge help to me. Each week on Sunday, I sit down and I kind of map out my week. What are my three big goals. If you look, if you're watching on YouTube, let me see if I can scroll down here. The calendar has 
essentially three spaces at the top to write three primary goals and then obviously a spot for each day of the week. And I'll put in how many listings I want to get done that week and any other big projects, the big rocks theory of what do I really need to get done? Last week, I wanted to get a storage unit and I wanted to get the overstock, the quote unquote death pile out of my house and out of my way so that I could work a little more efficiently on the stuff I really wanted to work on. So I set that aside as one of my big projects along with getting my podcast and my YouTube show done and I wanted to do the 110 listings. So those were my three big rocks for last week. And then I break that out through the course of the week, day by day. To get to that goal, I need to do 20 listings on Monday and 25 on Tuesday. I do my live on Wednesday, so I'm not going to get as many done. And I just plan out day by day by day how I'm going to do that. And then when those days come, I keep track on that calendar of every listing I do and what I accomplished for that day. There's a notes section. There's a summary at the bottom where I can track by day how much I've accomplished. And that, to me, is what I need and what I use to get myself through the week successfully. If I did not have that, (laughs) uh, I'm afraid it would be entirely too easy to knock off every day at noon and not get back to work um, I or sleep in extra late. I mean, I, sometimes I do those things, but I always have this sheet when I come down here to the Batcave staring at me that says, today I need to do 35 listings. And it doesn't matter if I do all 35 of them in the morning or if I do them throughout the day, but I know I've got to get that done. Obviously, you've got to have some flexibility There was a time here within the last month or so where I did not do my scheduled live on Wednesday because I had an opportunity to clean out multiple estates. I got 2,000 books essentially for free that day. So you have to make adjustments. You have to be able to move on the fly and change things. But when I do that, I will always go back into that planning calendar and make those adjustments. I didn't get the listings done today because I went to source. So I'll move those listings maybe half of them to one day and half of them to another day so that by the end of the week, I still get to where I want to go. Let me know in the comments, what would you find that useful? Would you, <laughs> would you buy one of these uh, planning calendars? They're only like eight bucks on Amazon. I don't think they're free shipping. Unfortunately, the KDP program, I don't, I don't think they do that. I don't know. Anyway, what do you do? How do you hold yourself accountable? And what kind of things do you find helpful to get yourself through the week. I know I've been watching um, Rebel Junk on her Instagram. She's been on this thousand listings quest, and every so often she'll put up a post where she shows how many listings and what they are and what she's done, and that I think that is outstanding. And that's the type of stuff that I feel like I need to do for myself, and you may need to do as well. So because somebody asked, actually several somebody's asked, How do I get that much stuff done in the course of a week? I wanted to spend just a few minutes to share that and maybe sell a few of these (laughs) uh, planning calendars that I put together. But uh, again, let me know what kind of things do you find that are helpful for you? Do you set goals? Do you set goals monthly, weekly? I don't really do monthly goals. Um, I break them out by the week and then narrow it down to daily 
and the month just kind of takes care of itself. I very rarely set sales goals. I'm a big believer in setting goals for behaviors and processes. If I do a hundred listings a week or whatever the number is or whatever your number is and trust that process, the result will take care of itself. I don't have to manage that number. I have to manage me, (laughs) Uh, manage my behavior, manage my activity, know what I need to get done, have that process in place. Um, Golden State Picker talks about that a lot, having a process that you trust and that you actually work and do. And for me, these planning calendars have just been terrific. It has been incredibly helpful, keeping me on task throughout the course of a week and allowing me to get the things that I need to get done, done in the amount of time that I want to allow for myself to get those things done. So again, let me know what you think of that. Uh, And that is going to wrap it up for this week. I didn't want to do like a full hour with it being the holiday. Um, Again, I hope all of you have a very happy and safe Thanksgiving, and we will be back next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern live for the recording of this podcast. We will have, as always, reselling news, and we will do a what sold update as well. One last thing, one more shameless plug. (laughs) Uh, If you were here and caught this and liked it, please do me a favor, smack that thumbs up button. If you are not a subscriber to the YouTube channel or a follower of the podcast, please consider doing those things as well. That would be fantastic. With that, I'm going to close it. Have a great, have a great week. Have a great holiday. And now it's time to sell. Thanks guys. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will catch you again next time.